0: Well, there's a day, This, well, let me just start off with by saying, what does it mean to win? Do you know what it means to win? Do you have a definition in your mind? Can you picture that? Some of you are shaking your head, some of you yes, no. Well, let me tell you, I know what it means to win, at least I thought I did. I went to my son's track meet this last week. Mountain Bay Elementary had their their fourth, third, and fourth grade track meet this last week. And so, what they didn't have a regular track, they just put cones. And you can see a picture from the event on the screen there. And so, they, they put up cones and they, they had the two lap race, a very precise measure of exactly two laps. Uh, they had a 50 meter dash, they had a 50 meter hurdles, they had the softball throw, you know, all the things that elementary kids might do. Well, I was just there to enjoy the day and cheer my son on and you know let him know and and David did just super and I happened to be recording I recorded his 50 meter dash and the way they did is they had heats and then the top one from each heat would go to the finals so I recorded David won his heat so that's great so I'm just cheering him on he won and they got done with all those heats and it, they went to you know got ready to run the kids for the final and you wouldn't believe it. They took a different kid from my son's heat to run in the race, in the final, than my son. This is crazy. This is, should not be. This is unjust. This is not fair. And I have video proof on my phone that this is not true. So I, in this, this thought, crossed my mind. Well, I can go down there. I can talk to the race officials. I can even show them the video they have it wrong. The wrong person is running in the final. You, you can't have that. And then I thought for a second. Do you want to be that parent? So all the parents are sitting in their lawn chairs on the side of this thing. Do you want to be that parent that walks down to the race official, who, who also doubles as principal of the elementary school when he's, you know, not timing races, and tell Mr. Phelan, Mr. Phelan, you got it all wrong. My son should be in the final, not that kid. And explain that that kid should pull him off the line, put my kid in there. That's just ridiculous. As soon as I thought that, uh, where it would go, I mean, there's the thought in my mind, okay, winning, my son won the race, he should be in there. As soon as I go there, then I'm like, oh, that's just, do you want to be known as that parent? Now remember, this is what, this, tra- this is not the state finals. This is not even the school district final. This is the Mountain Bay third and fourth grade race. And so it probably, probably is a different set of things. Why were they running those races that day? Was it to see who would go- join the Olympic team? Who would be going to Beijing or wherever the next Olympics are? No, it was, it was a fun day out. There was no need for someone like me to go to, as much as I wanted to. I wanted my son to win. But what was the point that day? What was the whole idea behind what they were doing? It was to enjoy a beautiful day out, to give kids a chance to run. And finishing first is fine, but per- perhaps something else, something else besides that was really about winning that day. What I've learned is, and I've seen this in life, is two people can be at the same event. Like, I could be at that race, and I could be so agitated and angry. My son, I found this welling up. I was like, this is unjust, this is unfair. I can watch that same event. Someone sitting right next to me can see the same thing. Oh, look, at the kids are having a great time today. Isn't this wonderful? Two people seeing the exact same event. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a time and a place like for if, if you've won something, if you earn something, you should, you know, stand up for your rights. But what was the point that day? I think it's important to remember what we're doing and why we're doing it. In First Corinthians chapter nine, we'll be looking at there's a word that Paul uses six times. It's almost like he's saying, on you gotta, I want you to keep this in mind. But what he has us keeping in mind might be different than what we have in mind. So what really matters? How will we win? We're going through a, a series over the summer to understand a little bit better what Bethany is about. And we're calling the series Foundations. And it's based on a shield that our, our vision framing team put together. And just walking you through a little bit. Hebrews chapter 10, 24, and 25 are some verses we felt reflect who Bethany is. Let's continue meeting together. Let's gather together. Let's meet with one another. We have a candle. I'd like to light that right now. If you were to stick around for second service, you're going to hear about a person that shared their faith with something very dear to them and their life is forever changed. If this would even light, we'll do that. Then there's uh, a statement These are the things that we say we're about. We're crossing boundaries to connect people to the life-giving God and to experience transformational community. We're going to be walking through the summer all what this is about, but we'll be focusing specifically at that first line there, crossing boundaries. And we're going to end up with what this is, if you could narrow it down to just one word. It's about relationship. So we're going to today drill down into just this one concept, crossing boundaries. There's a fact that I came across, and Pastor Kim shared a little bit about this last week, just a reminder, something to think about. In the next 20 years, which I realize that's a long time, but 20 years, there's going to be 5,400 new people coming to our area right around Bethany Church. Bethany or the the community that we're living in right now is about 10% of Marathon County's population. In 20 years, it's going to be about 30% of the population. There's going to be lots of people coming to our area. Will they understand what this gospel message means? And today, we're not talking necessarily about a track and field day. We're talking about something different than that. We're talking about life and what matters most. Today, many people are no longer going to church. Think about this weekend. What's, what's on our list of things to do this weekend for most Americans? Probably grilling out. Probably seeing their families. Some people, I think, will be remembering our veterans. People that have died for our country. But, Church is not necessarily on the top of the list for most people. People have lost their connection with the Lord. So why aren't, people looking, why aren't people looking to church? I think they look at a place like this and they say, well, this is all the perfect people are. All of you are the perfect people. You don't have any... Why would I want to go to a place and be reminded how imperfect I am? Or maybe people have had uh, an experience at a church where they're all Hypocrites. Well, at least that's what they think in their mind. They say one thing and do another. And can we be honest? Does hypocrisy happen in churches? Absolutely it does. I, I'm sure if, if a person wanted to study and look long enough, they could find it here even. Maybe people have the perception that at churches we just ask for stuff. We want people's time and we want people's money. Why would I want to go to a place where they want, because I'm already short on both of those. Why would I want, there's a lot of reasons why people might say church and connected in that. But I wonder if, rather than waiting for people to come to here, if 5,400 people started coming here every week, is that even really the answer? I wonder if all along Jesus had this message in mind that I, he was going to take this message that was sent from heaven through him to our world. Maybe it was always meant to be something that we would take to our world. It's built, our, our example is Jesus, and it's built further by who Paul is. He writes about what matters most, and he writes about this message Paul does. And these words are going to help us much in understanding what it all means. I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter nine. If you have a U Version Bible app, it's it's on there. There's a, a live event that you could click on this morning, and the, all the verses will be right there. There's a program in your, or there's an outline in your program this morning. You can fill in those blanks if you want to help you understand a little bit better what's happening, but. I'd like to get right into what matters most. The gospel is what matters most. If you would, start with verse 15 with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But I have not used any of these rights, and I'm not writing this in hope that you will do such things for me. For I'd rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel... I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul is laying aside any focus on himself that he might give himself or anybody might. He is not giving any message more than what somebody gave him, and he is sharing it with his world. In Paul's mind, there's only one thing that mattered. That the gospel might come out of his life and words. Listen to what Paul is saying. Can you imagine what his heart might be saying? What mattered most to him? What did he feel his calling was? What mattered most to him? Let's read on. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Without regard for himself or for personal gain, the gospel is what Paul felt he had to share. He felt compelled to share. It was a, it was a story so burdened in him. He felt this was the one message, this was the only message that his world really needed. Now, I'm sure there are some people that speak the gospel or they share what they believe out of an obligation, but Paul was saying it's sort of both. It's sort of an obligation, but it's sort of what I have to do. It's, It's not even me anymore. It's It's God has given me this message, he's put it in my mind, he's put it in my heart, and it has to come out. It's far more powerful than just something a person might know. It's something that they just, it wells up inside of them, it's something they live. Think about this for like an example in real life. Do you know someone... That loves something so much that if you were, you know, that if you were to ask a question of them in their particular area, they would love to tell you more about it. We joke in, in my family a little bit about if you want to make my mom happy, just go to her house and ask her, could you show us your flower beds? Can I just tell you, my mom would love to take all of you, if you're not busy this afternoon, drive over to Bloomer. She would love to show you her flower beds. All right, just just do that. I, another acquaintance of mine, he manages a, a sports complex. He keeps track his job is to keep track of grass. Would you like that to have your your job be keeping track of grass? So what he does is takes care of grass. That's what he does for a living. If you were to ask him, and I did this this last week for a project I'm working on, I asked him, How do you manage grass? And he went 20 minutes later, he's telling me all about, oh, you, you first aerate. And then you, you, you do the aeration first. Make sure you're marking your irrigation heads. And then, and then, and then you, you have all that seed that you're going to put down. So you put the seed down. But then you've got to drag it. Otherwise, the seed won't go where it's supposed to go. And then you have to put the certain fertilizer on. And you can use phosphorus only two times. Our state has laws against using phosphorus, but you can use it when you over... So he's just going on and on into the nuances and details. Do you have to talk him into saying something? No. He just wants to share about these things. Paul knew the gospel... And it's the only thing that he really felt compelled to share about. Now, we know some things about Paul. We knew he was a tent maker. We knew that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, we know a few details about Paul, but the only thing that mattered to Paul was that the gospel was shared. The question would be, would be good for us, first of all, do we know the gospel? Do we know what this message means? Do we understand it? And where does it stand as far as things we might share in our life? What are the things we're thinking about? Maybe a good prayer for us this morning would be, God, give me that passion that Paul had to share this gospel message with my world and my life. I think most of us, if we're honest, would say, I I don't really think about it that way. I'm not sure I might know the gospel, I might even love the gospel. I might even have shared the gospel at some point, but is this something that so wells up in me I have to share it? Uh, uh, Just this desire? The gospel matters most. Let's talk about what the gospel is. Mark Twain said once, the reason why things are the way they are is God made humans on the last day at the end of a long week. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but um, it does explain some things. But people have faults. We have issues. Can you think of an issue that your world has? We all have them, right? But our biggest issue, and the thing that everything in this life points to, is that we have faults that we cannot fix. We have issues that have no solutions. And the biggest one is death. The biggest one that we have no answer for is there's sin and there's death. We are falling to pieces inside and out. Our bodies are as well as our world around us. Just think about for a second what's probably going to be, if you decide to listen to the news today, and maybe maybe you will, maybe you won't, but there's just issues everywhere. And depending on your perspective, something is really bad. God knew the issues that we would face and said, I'm going to offer a solution. He offered us Christ. And we are also designed to share it. Think about what you share. If you were to share some news, if you have a social media account, what do you share on your account? What gets reposted? What do you? If you turn on the radio, what do you listen to? If you're watching the television, what kind of news are you going to hear? Starting with social media, what do you repost? You repost or reshare. You write down the things that you believe are important to you. If you listen to the news, on the, I guaranteed, if you turn on the news today, what are you going to hear about? Mr. Trump, right? You're going to hear about him. You might hear about the economy. And then you're going to hear people say, "Oh, because of this, this is bad," or because of that. Maybe you'll hear about climate change. What Paul was trying to say in this is, you know, what's really most important? You, I, it, it, he does. I don't think Paul would discount Mr. Trump or the the world around us. What he would say is, I, I get all that. I understand. But you know what really matters? The gospel. Four times he says gospel, but he, 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 he says it in such a way, the gospel to be shared. It's not just something that is, it's something to be shared. It's the news that we most need to bring out to our world. So if we're talking about winning today, we're going to get into that word that he's about to use six times, but before we get in, into that, the foundation of what what it's about in this passage and Crossing Boundaries is all about the gospel and what that all means. Let's read now where this word win comes from. Along as, I invite you to fall along as I'm going to read this next section in 1 Corinthians 9 and look for that word win. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like, un, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I become all things, to all people, so that by all means, I might save some. Can you tell when a person really believes something? How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you think you can pretty much judge people if they, they're legit and they're true or they're not? Fake news is everywhere, Right? It's all over the place. Some people have that. What Paul is commuting, commuting, communicating to us as much as anything, he would do whatever it takes because he believes so strongly in this gospel message. He's going to do whatever it takes for that message to go out. Six times Paul says he's seeking to win, to win, to win, to win. What is he winning? The word win in this case could instead be said to gain. Maybe you want to write that next to your notes there, to gain. To win is to gain. Winning to Paul meant gaining people in his world that knew Jesus. Paul framed his whole world about winning or gaining to Christ those around him. And we have a glimpse of Paul's understanding of the gospel in this little passage about what it all meant. Paul was a wise, balanced, mature, gracious person. But he never, he, he was going to... Go into the worlds of those around him. But he never gave up his integrity, even as he went to the different worlds, to the world of the weak, to the world of those under the law, to those that were Jewish. Even though they had different rules and customs, he would never lose his integrity for what it meant to share the gospel. In this day and age, I think some people perceive compromise as a negative word. Like they've compromised their values. There is a way, I believe though, and Paul shows us here how it might be done, to live not under compromise, but rather live in the world of people around us and share that gospel message in a way people might hear. Listen to this last verse again. This is verse 22. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. He's not diminishing himself and he's not diminishing what he is called to do. He's just uplifting the gospel and he'll do whatever it might take to do that. The blanks you might fill in are, we reach across barriers to win. For the Christian, if you want to know what winning means, it's to reach across barriers. To win means to to bring out this gospel in a way that people can hear it. I'd like to give you five principles for crossing boundaries from this. And again, there's some blanks there. If it helps, you can write these things down. Or maybe, maybe it's just best to listen. But if we were to do this, if we were to win today, this is how it might happen. First thing is to find common ground. Paul was Jewish and he identified with the Jews. And he knew that there were law keepers over there. He knew people couldn't keep the law. So he identified with those that couldn't keep the law. He knew what it meant to be weak. We're told he, he had a weakness in himself, a, a thorn in his flesh that wouldn't go away. Winning or gaining people starts with, by going to where these people are. Have you ever heard of the old joke? Asking for a direction, someone said, well, you you really can't get there from here. You ever heard that one? I think some people sort of see this world as like that. Can you think of that person that's so far removed from the gospel? They can't get there from here. That's not what Paul believed. Paul believed that every single person, think of the categories in your world, in your life, that people cannot possibly come to saving faith in Christ. Paul didn't know those people. Second thing, um, principle that Paul carried is he avoided arrogance. How easy is it is it for us to come across condescending, like we know it better? I think one of the true stigmas of a church of the evangelical church is we can come across sometimes like we really do think we know, we know better, we know the truth. And everybody else doesn't. If we don't carefully measure our words and think about how we share, it can come across like we really think we're better than everybody else. Now, I think most of us, is, well, we're not better. It's Christ in us that is the difference, and it's only him. And yet, if we are not careful in how we share and how we live, does it come across sometimes? Maybe not our words, but how we act and how we speak comes across Like, I really do think I'm better than you. And that's not what Paul did. He went to their world and lived in there. Seek first to understand, where is the people around us, where is their world at? I think of my friend that manages grass. If I want to get in tune to where his world is at, I have to find out what he's into and what he's about. To cross boundaries means to first understand what he might be into. Can we really hear what people are saying? Do we take the time to understand? Most of us, when we're having a conversation with people, are not, when we're, when we're pausing in the conversation, we're not really listening to them. We're preparing our next thought, and we're just reworking in our mind what we might say. I would say, Paul would say, don't do that. Just listen take the time and listen. He was sensitive to the needs of others. If if a person's under the law, he had to recognize that what they felt was so important. If he disregarded what they felt was important, he would lose the platform they had to, to speak from. Paul laid aside everything in his world so that he could bring the gospel message into the way that they could Hear it and understand it. So all these things, if you look at the first four things that are said there, it's all about how he might act, how he might behave. It was all about his audience, his people that he wanted to cross the boundaries into. Finally then, he could speak into the world. What gives us the right to think that we can tell people what they need to hear? People probably know that things are not right. They probably know that things... Aren't, but what gives us the right to think? We are the experts on them. How many times has it happened where someone, Miss or Mr. Know-it-all has spoken into our, our live and we're like, we just don't want to hear that anymore. Paul is trying to give us clues and ideas of how we can share this most critical message with our world and to win, to gain them to Christ. It's not about us. It's about Christ through us reaching them. But there is something that's kind of interesting. He finishes with this one more verse. I found this verse very interesting as I was reading it. This is 1 Corinthians 9, verse 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Something happens to us when we share the gospel. Now, I I hope I can weight this properly. I hope I don't overstated or understate what's about to be said here. The gospel message might come through us, but it was never us that saved someone. So when we go out and we share, let's say, like, later on today, you're going to hear, if you would stick around for the second service, service, they're going to tell you a story about someone that came to saving faith, someone very near and dear to them. But it wasn't the person that shared that made the difference. It was Christ in them. But there is something that happens when we share. There is a joy and a fulfillment that can be compared like nothing else. When a person that we care about most, and for a moment, just think about Who's that person in your world, in your life, that you really wish knew Christ, like really knew him? That really knew what it was about? What joy would it be today if you found out that they had that faith? What about this? If you could fast forward 10, 15, 20 years from now, and you've gone on to heaven, maybe 50 years from now, whatever, that, whatever your day, we don't know, and you knew that that person is right with God, there's a certain joy that comes from that that is like nothing else. We can experience this joy. What winning looks like, it looks like the gospel. That's the final, final blank there. So what is this gospel message? I hope that no one leaves here today saying, "Oh, I need to get one of those bracelets. That's the, that's the way." Or the bridge illustration. Those are useful tools, but that is not the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel message is all that is contained in this book that shows us a better way to live. Jesus gave to his people. Jesus gave to his people uh, a very simple. A very simple message. When asked, what's the most important thing? Is it the, you know, which command should we most remember? And Jesus said, oh, it's easy. We'll boil it down to just two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So can we do that? Can we actually live off the gospel like that? And then love your neighbor as yourself. The things that we'd like to see happening in the world to our children... I think, like, if unfairness, let's say your kid is in a race and they're unjustly treated, I think God cares. I really do believe God cares about those things. that's part of it, but it's part of seeing our whole world and loving people with the the care that he has. Putting God first in our everyday practices, living with integrity without the hypocrisy that our world so expects. This is what the gospel is. And then, looking for ways, how can I share this message? I think one of the, the weaknesses that many of us probably have is we haven't have shared our faith for so long, we've sort of maybe, we don't even know how to do it anymore. I would say, God is putting before us opportunities all the time in Un, in the p- unique situations and the people that were are around that we might share this gospel message he's putting them in our place I, I hope that we can do it but to share it in such a way that it is not overwhelming to any of us to any people in this world there's one last verse I, or set of verses I'd like to look at it's in, in Romans if you could read this with me this is Romans chapter 5 I'm going to read some verses leading up to it And I think it helps really wrap up what this is all about. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, we, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us the the shield and what we're doing at Bethany, I don't really think it's a new message. But maybe we're trying to refresh and renew in our minds what this message has always been all along. That Christ knew that we were lost and we needed something. And the only way he knows how to share that with our world, or not the only way he knew, the way he, he knew it needed to come to our world would be, it's going to come through people like you and I to share it. And it was so important to them that, Christ would even die for that to happen. He would even die. That's how far he would go for this message to go out. If there's a weekend of the year, maybe it's this weekend to remember, it's Memorial Day weekend. What would someone, why would you bother to die? I, I go back to my Uncle Dick and I, and I think back If you were in that, if, if Dick was in that jungle, was he thinking about all the things? Was he weighing on a balance, Officer Crowley? Was he a good person, was he a bad person when he went out to save him that day? Oh, he did these good things. Oh, he's, he's a really good dad. Or, or I, I can't imagine that those, that line of thinking went through his mind, right? Why would you do that? Why would you go out and help someone? Because it's just the right thing to do. Sometimes, maybe, maybe our, our reasoning and our, our hopes and everything, the reason why we cross boundaries, the reason why we might win or gain people, it's not so much that we would get credit or they would get credit or anything. It's, it's because it's just the right thing to do. And I would love to be a part of a church, and I, I believe this is where we're headed, where we are a part of a community. Not that we have it all together. We, we don't. It, there's issues everywhere. We could find them around here. But rather, what Christ is doing in us and through us, that's winning. I, th- I just think and praise God that He has chosen to work through people like me I, I wouldn't have had it on my own. We're going to watch a video. I think, Dave, you have the video. video's queued up. We're going to watch a video, and then I'll just have a few closing remarks.